So Claire, I'm going to read a list of movies and I want you to tell me what they have in common. Okay. Men in Black, The Wizard of Oz, Back to the Future, Marley and Me, Air Bud, and The Artist. Okay, well, there's two sci-fi ones in there, one of which is like one of my favorite movies ever. I've never seen Air Bud, but Marley and Me is shouting at me that this might be possibly dog-related because this is dog edition, so I'm going to go for the connection being perhaps dogs, maybe. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Brilliant! That's true. In this episode, we will be hearing from trainers who work with dogs for film, and we are going to get a sense of what a day in the life of a dog actor is really like. And here's a spoiler, it is not as easy as it looks. Hello, I'm James Jacobson in Maui, Hawaii. And I'm Claire Mounsell, now in London, England. Welcome to Dog Edition. Where voices from around the world consider all things dog. Dog Edition is the first show designed for you to listen to as you walk your dogs. This episode is all about pups on camera. From movies to TV shows to commercials and more. We're going to get behind the scenes, quite literally, of what it's like to be a dog and perhaps more importantly, a dog trainer on a movie set. And these dogs are way cool. In fact, one of the dogs that we'll be meeting today just got to act alongside one of my favorite actors, Jeff Bridges. So if you love dogs as much as we do, pause what you're doing, leash up your pup, and let's go for a walk because we've got a lot to talk about on today's episode of Dog Edition. Hey, Pepper, want to go for a walk? So in order to be a good studio dog, I imagine that for starters, you need to be quite photogenic. But I'm guessing it's a lot more than that. Yeah, being photogenic is really just the tip of the iceberg. Sarah Clifford is a Hollywood dog trainer, and she has an extensive resume. She's worked on a whole bunch of shows, including a new show from FX called The Old Man, starring Jeff Bridges. And she also worked on the Academy Award-winning film The Artist. According to Sarah, being a good dog actor is all about energy. The things we look for are dogs that have the right temperament. Dogs that are friendly, dogs that are high energy, make really good studio dogs. Oftentimes it's dogs that are rehomed from families because they're a little too high energy to be a good family dog. You know, they're bouncing up the walls essentially. Those are the kind of dogs that where we, if we harness that energy, it works really well on set. Having that energy to be able to drive the dog to, you know, work long hours is very useful. I'm quite surprised about that with the high-energy dogs because certainly for a pet, high-energy dogs can be quite hard to train and you're trying to just calm them down and get them to behave normally. But there you go, we're learning stuff already. So I'm guessing one of the things that dogs have to deal with on set as well is quite a lot of repetition because directors can be perfectionists and I know with the human actors, they keep making them do it over and over again. And I'm guessing it's the same with dogs. A big piece that I think a lot of people don't realize until they're in the position of uh, working their dog on set is um, the stamina that is needed of the dog. The handler too, but especially of, of the dog or the animal on set. While we do give them ample breaks, we tend to ask for the same behaviors over and over. So we need to have a, an animal that's okay to do something more than once, more than twice. They want to keep doing that activity with you over and over, as monotonous as it is, you know, whether it's just sitting or something more complicated. 
That is Lindsay Hill, who is a pet wrangler for Chewy. What? Wait, you just made that up. Surely that's not a real term. It's a real term used in the industry. And it's, of course, the person who's on set, who is wrangling, (laughs) managing (laughs) the animals who are on set. And, of course, you know how the pet wranglers are so convincing at wrangling those pets on set? Um, I'm guessing it's something to do with food and toys, much like the human (laughs) actors. That's what they get, basically. (laughs) I think they get money, too. But yes, money for a dog is food and toys. Those rewards are crucial to getting the dogs to act on set. We're calling this acting because it's a convenient term. But we should be clear, the dogs don't know they're acting. Right. To the dogs, it's just playing around. In order to get a dog actor to do what is written in a script, their trainer will create a fully choreographed game. Basically, it's a game that resembles the scene that's in the script. And when it's time for the dog to play the game on set, if all goes according to plan, it looks like the dog is acting. Well, that makes perfect sense. So in that case, what does a dog learn if they go to like a doggy acting school? Well, let's hear what Sarah Clifford says. Obviously, we start with basic obedience. The dog's going to have to be able to sit and stay and lie down. And then we advance that to more specific things, like the dog has to lay down and then be able to put its head down on cue and lift its head up on cue. The dog has to be able to lie on the right side and the left side. The dog has to be able to bark on cue, which we call speak. The dog has to be able to stand up on all fours, we call on your feet. And then, you know, after you you train it to do the we call it basics, um, then you get more specific and you start to train them to look at an object, to look at a person. When you say, look or watch me, then the dog has to be able to come to a mark, you know, just like an actor where they have to come in and stop in a very specific area. It would seem that these basic commands like sit and stay are easy, but if there is one thing that we learned from talking to these trainers, easy is not always easy. A producer will call me up and, you know, oh, this is really easy. Some of the most simple things that read on page are not simple. You know, say a dog has to go in and look organic and hang out with a family and, you know, and and really look like they're interacting with a family. But, you know, you can't really give the dog cues and things like that. That's hard because you're working in such a limited space. For example... Last year, for Chewy's 2021 holiday campaign, the company wanted some photos of a family, a mom, a dad, two kids, and two dogs inside of a giant snow globe. Because, you know, Christmas. Now, this wasn't even for video. These were just still photos. Again, sounds easy, right? You want to talk about wrangling. There was a lot of wrangling on that project, whether it was pet wrangling or human and child wrangling. There there was a lot going on. Getting everyone in place, uh, making sure the dogs were looking where they wanted to, making sure the humans knew how to interact with the dogs. I know a lot of things that look really easy and are actually quite complicated, like making podcasts, for instance. So if easy... And we don't have to do it inside of a snow globe. <laughs> That's true. So if easy is hard, then I'm guessing hard must be really hard. (laughs) Yes, hard is really hard. For example, getting a dog to act in New York in front of a live studio audience. Live from New York, it's Saturday night! So the scene was he was with a soldier who was his interpreter and 
he was answering questions to the media. That is Mary Cummings, another amazing dog trainer with a resume in film and TV who's done lots of work. But what she's describing there is her German shepherd, whose name is Ivan, who had a live television debut on an episode of Saturday Night Live. I have seen this because this episode went viral, I think, and had like one and a half million views. I saw it too. I saw it live or taped here in Hawaii. For listeners who haven't seen the SNL skit, Mary's dog plays Conan, who is a commando service dog that helped take down the leader of ISIS. Who is a real dog. A real dog indeed, with over 50 military operations under his collar. (laughs) Anyway, the sketch takes place at a press conference, and the journalists are asking Conan questions, but since Conan is a dog and can't speak English, he needs an interpreter that speaks dog. You were involved in a terrorist raid. Was that scary for you? (laughs) A little, sure, but it could have been worse. The terrorists have guns and explosives, but at least they don't have vacuum cleaners. Yes, you, ma'am? The big command that he had to do was he had to speak on hand signal from a distance because he had to bark when he was answering a question, and then the, the soldier that was his hand or interpreted for the people what he was saying when he barked. But again, remember, this is live television. Then you also have a studio audience sitting across from where the stage is elevated, and you have a band behind the curtains where the stage is. So so the dog not only had to respond to the visual command from me in the dark, sort of off stage by the time we went live, he also had live music behind him and a, and a studio audience in front of him. I am feeling the pressure here for Mary. I mean, not so much for Ivan, because he didn't know what the big deal was, but <laughs> That's a really distracting environment for a dog who is supposed to be acting. Well, if you're someone like Mary who works with dog actors, those kinds of distractions are built into your training. So I would love to know how Mary goes through this entire process of training a dog to do something like barking on command whilst on set. That's a basic behavior that I teach, and I obviously start at home. When the dogs are excited, like when they want to be fed or, you know, we're playing or whatnot, and they naturally bark, I put a a marker word to it, sort of like clicker training, but I use the word yes, and then I reward with, with a food treat. So I start by eliciting the behavior and rewarding it, and then I start putting a cue to it. Once I can get the behavior regularly, then I start putting the command to it, and I teach a verbal and a hand signal, and we progress from there till I can ask for the command or ask for the the behavior and get it and then reward. And then once the dog is comfortable doing it at home, then we do what we call generalize the behavior and we take the behavior other places. So the dog can do it if I go to PetSmart or the local park or a ball game or so they learn to do the behavior around strange things and outside of their familiar, you know, homes. So not only do the dogs have to learn to do it whenever, but they also have to learn to do it wherever. Exactly. If you can train the dog in an environment similar to where they'll be shooting, well, that's good. When Sarah Clifford was called in to work on the series, the old man, she saw that in one of the episodes, her dogs would be acting in a junkyard scene. 
So I found a junkyard I, and I contact the owner and I said, hey, you know, we're training these dogs. And sometimes I'd have to give them money, you know, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, like, uh, you're going to, you know, uh, here's a hundred bucks. Can we just train here for an hour and, you know, and, and let the dogs see the tires and the car parts? I think that must have been fun trying to persuade them to do that. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk more about the unique training that Hollywood dogs undergo and what it takes to break into the business of training dogs for a film. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach. And I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to roll in the grass and warm my belly in the sun. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpup. The green, grassy, beef liver spiked smell wakes my senses. You may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy, especially when you wet it. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. Everpup traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. Does it roll back time? Of course not. Not really. But it helps me feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm so glad you're giving it to me every day. Because every day I'm so glad to be with you. I'm so grateful to be your dog. And for the ever pup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. Welcome back to Dog Edition. Before the break, we were talking about how dog trainer Sarah Clifford prepared her dogs for a junkyard scene in the FX series, The Old Man, by actually training them in a junkyard so they were used to the environment. I don't know about you, Jim, but I've actually started watching the show and this won't spoil any of the storyline, but there is a scene where a dog bites a guy's neck and I'm now wondering whether special effects were involved in that or whether that was something that they actually had to do in real life. I have to admit, I haven't watched the show yet because I want to watch the whole thing in a single binge. But I do know from our conversations with Sarah that the scene had 0% special effects. And it was one of the hardest scenes to prepare for in the entire course of the season. <laughs> And that was a difficult thing because obviously having a dog's teeth that close to, you know, somebody's neck is potentially inherently dangerous. Initially, one of my trainers trained him to hold objects and then to hold her arm. She taught him that. And then she ended up leaving the project. And then I took over the training and then I bought a dummy 
basically you you train them to gently hold something, you know, to control their jaw and to control the level, hold it. And then as soon as they hear the click, they get the reinforcement, which is the treat. So that's how we train them to do that. And once they felt pretty confident about the dog being able to bend his head over the dummy and that, you know, with the dummy being on the ground, which was the most difficult part, then I transferred that that hold it that neck hold to one of my trainers. Wow, that seems quite dangerous, but Sarah also seems to know exactly what she's doing and is quite inventive with her training as well. She is, and if she didn't trust her process, I don't think she'd be able to do this kind of work. She said that once they got the training down, the scene was actually a lot of fun to shoot, and no one got hurt, of course. The worst thing that happened was the stuntman got a lot of drool all over the shirt. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that stuntman didn't get hurt, but now you have me wondering... Do dogs ever get hurt on the job? Are there precautions in place of the kind of health and safety rules for dogs on set? Well, of course, there are insurance policies that are taken out with tons of fine print and provisions and all sorts of things that you find in insurance policies. And those are signed and included in the contracts when the movie deal gets done. But on set, Well, it is all up to the pet trainers or the wranglers to speak up if they think that the animals are being put in danger in any way. It doesn't happen often, but every now and then, a dubious situation does come up. They often rent houses and and that sort of thing, settings for their shoots. And we were on a lake with a dock that went out into the water, you know, probably 20 feet, and they wanted to shoot the puppies in a basket out at the end of the dock. And the director said, oh, we'll put people in the water to catch your puppies in case they fall off. And I said, no. I said, you can't shoot them at the end of the dock. So you do have to advocate for your dog and make sure your dog is always safe and and comfortable. No puppies were harmed in the filming of this. (laughs) And that's a good thing. No puppies were harmed in the filming of this. Here's a fun fact. That tagline, it's been around since the 1940s, and it is an initiative of American Humane, which is the main organization that makes sure that Hollywood animal actors are treated humanely. Every year, American Humane certifies over 1,000 productions, and they protect over 100,000 animal actors. Uh-huh. 100,000. So, Jim... Obviously, I have Mabel, who is high energy, which I'm now learning is a great thing. She has some basic obedience training. She was very good the other day when our mailman came and offered her a treat. She immediately sat down and on cue when the treat appeared. So how do I get her into the movie business so she can start earning me lots of money and I can just kick back in retirement? Well, the first thing is you co-host a podcast for dog lovers. (laughs) (laughs) That is heard by movie moguls who say, that maple, I think there's a role in I don't know. Actually, there is no one-size-fits-all answer to that question. Each of the trainers that we spoke with has a unique story. Here's Mary Cummings. A friend of mine and I were sitting around reading an old magazine that used to be published called Dog Fancy. And they had an article on Dog Fancy about animal actors. And there was a list of agents in New York City that you could contact to list your dog with them. So I contacted one of the agents, filled out one of their applications and thought, well, I'll never hear from them again. But Mary Cummings did hear from them again. And after her dog got booked for an entire season of the TV show, True Blue, she quit her day job at a cable company and jumped into dog training full time. As for Sarah Clifford, 
She was already working in the film industry as a production assistant, but that all changed one fateful day on the job. I was out in San Francisco working on The Matrix Reloaded. And we had some crows that were in that movie. And I was kind of asked to assist the bird trainers to set. And I was just blown away by their professionalism and how skilled these birds were and skilled the animal trainers were. And I was like, wow, it is just remarkable to be able to do that, work with animals, which I always, always had a passion for. And to be on a set, you know, in that creative environment, that was kind of my light bulb moment that sparked me to go, hey, could I possibly do this for a career? And I just started pursuing it and contacting animal companies and seeing if I can intern. It's a very closed door and uh, it's very, very hard to, to get your foot in it. But I was very determined and willing to work for free and volunteer and learn and shovel dog poo. Wow, I love that story. And can I just say to the listeners, if I'm not here next episode, then you'll know that Maple has made it to Nollywood. <laughs> ah, but you may have to be shoveling the dog poop in order to get her there. Yeah, well, that's... But you're in London now. <laughs> you're talking about Hollywood. You're in London. We haven't addressed the obvious elephant in the room. I made it back. I made it back on the ship. I met lots of lovely dog owners on the ship as well, which we're going to be hearing about in future episodes. And, you know, the amazing thing was we had this beautiful, calm crossing from New York to the UK. It was incredible. I recommend it to anybody who gets a chance to transatlantic crossing, particularly with your dog. And Maple flew while you while you yes yes so she flew in the middle of our voyage and she was transported from manchester down to my sister in the south coast of england and then she arrived there and then we picked her up from my sister's house and she is loving the uk so far it's um, got none of the crazy (laughs) extremes of temperatures well We've had some, but mostly not the crazy extremes of temperatures of Canada. This was such a fun episode. I love talking about dogs in the movies and on stage and theater. And there are more and more of those. And we will be covering more of that in the future because everyone's interested in dog actors. They seem so natural, but there's a lot of work that goes into making them appear so natural. And I also think what's fascinating about this is this is opening my eyes increasingly to all the different roles that you can have as a career working with animals. It's not just the obvious ones, but, you know, working on set with a dog. That'd be brilliant. Well, that is all the time we have for today's show. I want to thank you for joining us on Dog Edition. Just a reminder, if you enjoyed the show today, please follow along in your podcast app. And that way you get the next episode as soon as it's published, just pops up in your app. And we say it every week, but it is so important. If you enjoy this show, then do us a huge favor and please recommend it to a fellow dog lover. And if I can really, you know, push my luck now, a third thing to ask you to do is that we do have other great shows on the Dog Podcast Network and you can find them on dogpodcastnetwork.com. And if you want to get in touch with us, reach out via dogpodcastnetwork.com or this show's website, which is dogedition.com. I'm Claire Mansell in London, England. And I'm James Jacobson in Maui, Hawaii. On behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, I'd like to wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? 
Well, it already has. Right now, on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast. <laughs> 